All right. Well, that's going to solve all our financial problems at All People's Church as we're selling the Tongue Tamer app this week. Hey, if you don't have a Bible, raise your hand. We'd love to give you one as a free gift. If you do, turn with me to James chapter 3. James chapter 3. And to just give an overview of why we're doing this series again, I was thinking as I was working really hard um, just to take you into my weekend, we've been really blessed after a three-year journey to finally own a home in San Diego. And um, that's, a, that's a big deal for us because it just says, man, we have put down our roots. We are San Diegans and we are loving living life here. But here's the interesting thing. We, we contended for this home for a long time and we finally got the title deed, but the work has just begun because there is thousands of pounds of, of garbage, of wood piles of cement blocks of just trash all over this place on Friday, which is my day off. I loaded 2000 pounds of trash from this property into a truck and took it to the dump. And while I'm loading it, I'm realizing I am living out my sermon series of extreme makeover. So God has us as preachers live out every sermon series we do. I've, I've got to think before I start new sermon series. But that's a lot of what our life is like in God. We've got this new home, and it's really the beginning of a new life for our family. But just because it's a new life doesn't mean that there's not work to be done. You see, when you gave your life to Christ... He came in and made you new. You were born of the Spirit. And you didn't have anything to do with being born except saying yes. I didn't have anything to do with my father and mother having me. I was born. It's a grace gift to me. But for me to become all that I'm called to be in this world is a lot of work partnering with God to become who Robert Herbert's supposed to be. And that's what this series is all about when we talk about an extreme makeover. When you were saved, there were some immediate transformations. You were given a new heart. You were given a new mind. And you went from being spiritually dead to spiritually alive. The Bible says it's by grace that you've been saved, not by works, lest any man should boast. It's a free gift from God. However, the Bible also says that after our salvation, that we need to work out our salvation with fear and trembling. Now, for you who've been walking with Christ for a while, let me just address you for a second because there's two camps that are really speaking loudly in the body of Christ. And if you just take it all at face value, you might get a little confused. There's one camp that that says this, as believers, we'll never sin. And so if you sin, once you've come to Christ, you lost your salvation. And so every week people come into church and they're like, you know, I I sinned, I messed up, I cursed, or I did something a lot worse and I must not be saved. It's so sad for me. Since starting this church, I've met with numerous people who've been in the church for years, who gave their hearts to Christ, maybe as a child, maybe as a teen, maybe as a young adult, but they come to me even in their 50s and 60s and say, Pastor, I don't know if I'm saved because of this sin area in my life. And I want to tell you that Romans 8, 38 and 39 says, nothing can separate us from the love of God. Neither height nor depth, nor angels nor demons, nor anything 
in all creation can separate you from the love of God. And so for you to come and live in a tremendous insecurity because you have sin in your life and you start wondering, well, maybe I'm not a believer because believers don't sin. Well, that's just simply not true as we look at Scripture. That's one camp. On the other side is this real radical teaching that's going on right now in the body of Christ that it's all about just what you believe. And if you have sin in your life, then you're just not believing the right thing. They take it from the Greek word matineo. I don't know if we, if we have that. Do we have that? This word, basically what that means, or metaneo. Meta means afterwards or, or around. There we go. And noia or noeo comes from the word knowledge. So they say it's time to change our mindset. Now, I don't have any problem with that because we do want to change our mindset and believe what God believes. We need to start seeing sin like God sees sin. And we need to start seeing ourselves as new creations. But there's this radical teaching right now in the church that says all it is, all repentance is, is thinking new thoughts about yourself. And if you think new thoughts, then that's all you need to do. And that's totally ridiculous. Because life is holistic. Let me explain it this way. If you are a fighter pilot, someone comes and tells you, all you need to do is believe that you're a great fighter pilot. I want to tell you, that's not going to make you a great pilot. Now, there's a grace gift. If you're a pilot in this room, are there any pilots in this room? Any, any fighter pilots? Or? No, good. So I'm going to seem like I totally have authority on what I'm talking about right now. Um, <laughs> You know, the only way you can be a Navy fighter pilot is, is you had some grace on your life, right? You had to have a certain vision, a certain type of vision. You have to be a certain height. You have to have certain aptitudes. And, and those are just gifts, right? And that's like grace. That's a gift on your life. However, you also have to go through a lot of training. You have to detrain yourself in the way you respond to certain things. You have to train yourselves in other ways. And that's a lot like our faith. We are born anew, and it's a free gift from God. But to become mature in our faith, to become a person who walks in purity and holiness, we have to go through a process of transformation. Amen? And that's what I'm doing with my house. I have the title deed to my house. I own it. But now I have so much work to clean out different things. Some things... Happen right when you're saved. I've, I've heard, of, I remember one of my friends, he was very judgmental. He was very racist. And when he got saved, he started loving people of every group. He stopped being judgmental. But he had a real language problem that didn't get immediately transformed. That's in fact what we're talking about today. We're going to talk about a mouth makeover this morning. All right, so you guys ready for a mouth makeover? All right. Uh, where's Kelly? Kelly, can you come on up right now? I want to start with this wonderful story that Kelly has. Kelly came to Christ with us a couple years ago. It's been a delight to see her just have the grace of God come on her and transform her. Will you give her a hand as she comes? So I used to just lash out at people, friends and family, strangers, 
I didn't just yell. I'd go off. I never really thought about it. I just told people that's how it comes out of my mouth. It's always been a problem. My husband is easily angered and expects an immediate response to his questions. I used to respond immediately, which most of the time wasn't thought out. That could get an argument going quickly, usually lots of cussing and tears to follow. I am different now. I don't like confrontation, yelling, screaming, or angry words. Now, before answering a question, I ask God for guidance, and if pressured, I don't respond at all. I used to use my mouth as a weapon, sharp as a knife. I would cuss somebody out and not think anything about it. I don't mean just speaking a little swear word. I mean letting loose with F-bombs like it was proper English. The worst part was I was proud of it because I know that I could win a shouting match with my vile, hardcore language. Well, now I'm working on cleaning up my filthy mouth. I'm no longer proud of it, and in fact, I'm embarrassed to admit to it. My good friend Lisa has two daughters that I love dearly, and we spend a lot of time together. Uh, They hold me accountable. They're charging me a dollar for each cuss word. (laughs) Yeah. I owe them each about 10 bucks. I'm paying up tomorrow at Life Group. I said I was trying. I'm a work in progress. Praise God. Great job. So proud of you. You know, we are a work in progress. Like Kelly says, it's about us partnering with God. The several things that I want to highlight that she said is she received that conviction from the Lord. Right? There's a difference between conviction which leads us to change and condemnation, which makes us feel like we're in a pit that we'll never get out of. Let me say that again. Conviction's good. When your heart is pierced and you understand that you're hurting God's heart, that's a good thing because it motivates us to change our life. Condemnation is bad. The enemy puts condemnation on us and says, you're just a dirt bag and you'll always live in this pit. You'll never change. So Kelly received conviction, and she purposed in her heart to repent and to change. Then she even got accountability. Then she even said, I'm going to put some heat on this accountability. I'm going to pay a price. And what's happening? She's different. Let's look at James chapter 3. James chapter 3, starting in verse 2. It says, we all stumble in many ways. Anyone who's never at fault in what they say is per- uh, anyone who is never at fault in what they say is perfect, able to keep their whole body in check. When we put bits into the mouths of horses to make them obey us, we can turn the whole animal. Or take ships as an example. Although they're so large and are driven by strong winds, they're steered by a very small rudder wherever the pilot wants to go. Likewise, the tongue is a small part of the body. But it makes great boasts. Consider what a great forest is set on fire by a small spark. The tongue also is a fire, a world of evil among the parts of the body. It corrupts the whole body, sets the whole course of one's life on fire, and is itself set on fire by hell. Wow! All kinds of animals, birds, reptiles, and sea creatures are being tamed and have been tamed by mankind, but no human being can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil full of deadly poison. Thank God he can tame the tongue. Verse 9, with the tongue we praise our Lord and Father, and with it we curse human beings who have been made in God's likeness. Out of the same mouth come praise and cursing. My brothers and sisters, this should not be. 
Can both fresh water and salt water flow from the same spring? My brothers and sisters, can fig tree bear olives or a grapevine bear figs? Neither can a salt spring produce fresh water. Who is wise and understanding among you? Let him show it by their good life, by deeds done in humility that come from wisdom. The mouth is so important. What comes from our mouth? There's this old adage that says, sticks and stones can break my bones, but words can never hurt me. I tell you, I would rather get hit by a stone any day than some of the words that come from people's mouths. So many of us are carrying around darts, arrows, wounds from words that have set over us. I can get over a bruise from a stick hitting me any day. But those words for many of us have painted the very core of who we are. As believers, our words are to be a fountain of life. Proverbs chapter 10 verse 11 says that the mouth of the wise is like a fountain of life. There's an old legend that's told in the Middle East of a wandering nomadic tribe that went through a desert. They were always on the brink of extinction because they couldn't find water that would sustain them. Finally, they find this oasis, this fountain. And as the sultan of this tribe goes to the edge of the water, he hears a voice saying, come and drink from my fountain. You and all peoples of the earth, and I will provide for you. And so this tribe lived there. And as this tribe started to understand that this fountain had enough provision for thousands of tribes. So they invited more and more tribes. Until one day a younger son of the sultan started being concerned that the water would run out. And so they started hoarding it for themselves. And when they hoarded it for themselves, they became selfish and self-focused. It put this tribe at war with all the tribes around. Now this parable is one that can quickly be applied to our mouths, to our tongues. Imagine being in a desert. Imagine wandering around with your family and your loved ones. You're parched. The heat is oppressive. And you find a fountain of water. How refreshing how peace-giving, how nurturing to your heart and your soul. That is what the mouth of a believer is supposed to be in this dry and oppressive world. You don't have to go far to hear harsh words, do you? You go home and turn on your TV. You see people screaming at each other on soap operas. Hopefully you're not watching those. You, you, you see as you drive down the road, you make just a faint wrong move, you turn the radio up and you start drifting into someone else's lane and they look at you and have choice words to share with you. I was talking to a friend this week. He went to his Christian school to pick up his kid and he, uh, he was waiting for an older couple to pass in front of him on the crosswalk. And this woman zooms in and cuts him off in front and gets in there and he looks at her and says, hey, you know, that was kind of hard. And she gets out and cusses him out, drops all kind of words, and then waits to pick up her child at the Christian school. It's not necessarily just the world that are using their tongues harshly. It's also in the church. Many people today, you're here just hoping that you won't be wounded and you're risking again 
with Christians. Maybe it's been a long time since you've been in the church. Or maybe you're not a Christian, but you're here exploring. And you're just saying, I, I hope that Christians aren't just hypocrites. Because that's all I've ever heard. That they act one way at church, but then I've talked to them. And they've torn into me with their words. I want to tell you, men and women, that our speech is one of the main things that should set us apart from this hurting and dying and broken world. We as believers are known as Christians. Christians are known as little Christ. And from Jesus' mouth came the very words of life. My question is, do you speak life? As you go into different situations, are your words bringing life? Colossians 3, if you turn there with me. Colossians chapter 3 is explaining the way we should live as believers. Colossians 3 verse 7, if we could put that up. Now in Colossians, Paul is explaining the way that we used to live and now the way we should live as believers. He says this, you used to walk in these ways in the life you once lived, but now you must rid yourselves of all such things as these. He's going to go into a list. These aren't exclusively things that come from our mouth, but these are expressed often most clearly from our mouth. He says, anger, rage, malice, slander, and filthy language from your lips. Do not lie to each other since you've taken off your old self with its practices. What is he talking about here? He's talking about different ways that we express ourselves that are very destructive. So let's start with the first one, anger. What is anger? Anger is when we harbor ill feelings towards someone for something that they have done. Last night I sat down and I talked to my kids and I said, kids, uh, tomorrow we, we always do a little devotional at, at, at dinner. And so I said, kids, tomorrow we're going to talk about what comes out of the mouth and the taming of the tongue. And they were like, oh, yeah, we, we've talked about that before in Overflow or at school. And I said, well, great. And so we talked about a little, and I talked about the bit in the horse's mouth. And then I talked about the rudder. But my son Hudson was kind of goofing off while I'm doing this. And so I'm keeping on presenting my incredible sermon to my family. And Hudson keeps kind of being a goofball over there. And all of a sudden, so I'm kind of getting annoyed. And all of a sudden, we're eating hot dogs and he knocks his hot dog off the table. And I look at Hudson and I go, no, that was really dumb. And Hudson, most tender little boy in the world, just starts tearing up, gets up, picks his hot dog up, walks over to the trash, throws away his plate. And I'm like, you idiot, you were talking about taming the tongue. And you just told your son that that was dumb. And then, and so I'm sitting at the table and I was like, Steph, I'm such an idiot. I was like, I, why am I just, why am I barking at the kids? I can't believe I just did that. And she's like, okay, now you're condemning yourself. Robert, just repent and go on. <laughs> follow me as I follow Christ. <laughs> so anyway, I get up, I go over to Hudson, Hudson, I'm so sorry that that was really dumb. I said, not what you did was dumb. What I did was dumb. I am sorry. Will you forgive me? Yes, daddy. I love you. I know. I said, I love you. <laughs> That's anger. That's responding in anger. Now, Psalm four, I believe it's Psalm four, four. It says in your anger, do not sin. 
Some of you have thought that once you're a Christian, if you're really walking with God, you don't get angry. Well, that's not true, right? Right? Jesus walks into the temple. He was a little angry when he threw over the tables and made a whip and whipped it around like Indiana Jones, right? It's in our anger we do not sin. So let me ask you today, I'm just going to ask you some questions that are going to help you evaluate, not to bring condemnation, to bring you conviction, to help you to change. Do you respond out of anger? Anger is going to be normal. Things are going to make you angry. But the question is, do you lash out and respond in anger? What Steph and I have tried to learn is that when situations make us angry, we don't immediately jump in. You find out something happened. We take time to process it. I go and spend time with the Lord. I pray about it before I respond. So often we hear something, we're, I'm going to call that person. I'm going to give them a piece of my mind. That's called in your anger, you're sinning. You will get angry, but you take things and you process them with the Lord. You pray about them. Lord, help me see this as you see it. Let's move on to rage. Kelly was talking about rage. What's rage? Rage is when you're out of control. Some of you think that that is okay. And the Bible is clear that that is sin. That's when you're flying off the handle. That's when you're giving people choice words. That's when you're chasing after someone on the highway. They cut you off with your little NOTW fish sign on the back of your car. That's not okay. That's rage. So let me ask you, do you ever fly out of, off the handle? Do you ever get out of control? If that's something you deal with, what do we do? We do what Kelly did. We get accountability, right? We give that to God. We confess it. The Bible says confess your sins one to another and then you'll be healed. The reason why we confess our sins is not to bring humiliation to each other. We do that because the enemy wants us to keep things in the closet and wants us to be one way on Sunday mornings when you come to Crawford and sit with the believers. But then at home, right, you're living a totally different life. No, you bring that out into the light, right? And you say, you know what? I'm real. This is me. These are my problems. And what happens? The Bible says in James chapter 4, if you humble yourself under the mighty hand of God, then he will give you grace and exalt you. He will lift you up. So we come out and we confess our sins. If there's one thing you're going to get in this series is that come and confess. Confess to people. Confess to your friends. Confess to your family. They already know you're in sin. So just be humble enough to say, I know, Hudson. That was dumb of me to call you dumb. Right? I didn't call him dumb, but I said what? I I might as well have, right? So (laughs) that's rage. Malice. What's malice? Malice is intentionally hurting someone. It's when you intentionally say something hurtful. Let me ask you, do you do that? Do you say things that hurt people? I love the scripture that was up during the Extreme Makeover video. Ephesians 4.29. Do nothing, wait, do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouth but only that which is helpful for building up others so that it might be a benefit to all who hear. What is to come from the mouth of a believer? 
We never destroy. We never tear down. Malice is when you try to destroy with your words. Some of us are frustrated with how our loved ones act. Some of us in marriages, we're getting upset with our spouse and we think we will change them by hurting them with our words. And I want to tell you that when your spouse loses, you lose. And you're eroding trust when you're throwing those jabs. And we think if I insult my kids, if I call them a name, then they'll change. No, what happens is they start becoming what you call them. Because you're speaking identity over the person. Are you following me? And so that's what malice does. Malice is intentionally hurting people. If you've been a person that has done that. Don't just heap condemnation. Say, today I'm acknowledging I've been a person with malice in my life, malice in my words. I repent, Lord. I turn away from it and I walk the other direction. That's what repentance says. I confess it to my friends. I repent. I turn in the opposite direction. And when I do it again, I'm going to confess and I'm going to have people hold me accountable to that kind of speech. What's the next one? Malice, slander. Have you, have you ever gotten in trouble by your words? Have you ever just said something that really got you in trouble? Listen to this story. Sophomore year in high school. Okay, I was really into popularity. So we had the the little center of campus, our little student union uh, area, and we hung out there, and that's where the cool kids started to hang out, so I always wanted to be right in the middle of it. And I was a sophomore hanging out with with different seniors, and I was was, uh, hanging out with this one group, called the posse now i mean this is a cool name right the posse and anyway i really wanted to be close with these seniors because i was a little sophomore and i was kind of getting in with that crowd and ooh, real cool right robert anyway i went to this party on this weekend and this girl named laura who was a sophomore and a friend of mine, and she's this beautiful girl, and I, you know, I wanted to be all uh, cool and have her as a friend. She was dating Ryan, and Ryan was kind of the ringleader of the posse. And so I get to this party, you know, it's one of these stupid, you know, alcohol parties, and I go in, and you know, I'm an insecure sophomore, and you know, well, how am I looking? So anyway, I see Laura, and I'm like, well, she's my friend, so I'll go over and talk to her. And I go over and Laura started dating Ryan and I go, Hey Laura, how's it going? I was like, so you're dating Ryan. He's really a player. I was like, don't you know that he's been like with so many girls? Like, why, why are you with him? Okay. Now, um, I was a believer. Shouldn't have been at that party. Number one. Uh, number two, I mean, how many things have I already broken? This, this is slander, right? When you're saying something not nice about someone else. Malice is speaking directly to that person, tearing them down. Slander is saying something bad about someone behind their back, right? It's malice behind the back. So it's called slander, right? And that's what I was doing And I certainly wasn't building Ryan up, who wasn't a believer, who I should have been trying to win to Christ, but instead I was tearing him down. So anyway, I'm doing all these things wrong. So what happens, you know, is I go from talking to Laura and, you know, having some cool things to say to her. So then I go off to another group. Well, what Laura does is, of course, she goes straight to Ryan and she's like, are you a player? 
And, you know, no, who told you that? Well, Robert told, told me that. Awesome. So the, um, the next Monday, we're back at school. And, you know, I'm hanging out, doing my whoa thing. And um, all of a sudden, Ryan comes up to me. He's like, Robert, can I talk to you? And I'm like, sweet. He's kind of the head of the posse. And he wants to talk to me. Right? So I say, sure. Well, the bell rings. And all of a sudden, I turn. And there's a group of 10 massive senior football players around me. And I'm like, uh-oh. This is not good. And he gets up in my face and he says, why are you talking bad about me? Why are you spreading lies? Why are you trying to hurt me to my girlfriend? I'm like, oh, bro. Whoa, 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 whoa. I, I, I'm so, I mean, what, what do you say? I don't know why I did that. Uh, I did it because I'm insecure and I want to fit in. And um, and you know, he starts threatening me. Hey, we're going we're gonna to beat you up. We're going to. We're going to do this and that. And, and God's mercy, the one Christian football player I know starts walking through the hall. I don't know why he was not in class. And he sees me and he somehow he spreads out his arms and moves 10 guys. Oh, he goes, come on, guys. Come on, guys. And I went and ran off. And I'm still alive today. <clears throat> Now, I'm thankful for that experience because it taught me that my words have ramifications, that there are consequences for speaking haphazardly. And I wonder, have you learned that yet? Please let me pay the stupid tax for you. Please learn from me and don't recreate the dumb things that I have done to learn that. That was slander. And slander tears down people. And to a guy that had tremendous influence, Ryan, who I could have been a loving person pointing them to Christ. Instead, I was tearing them down. And why do we tear other people down? It's because we don't feel good about ourselves. When you have the desire to gossip... You need to ask yourself, what's the motivation in my heart? Is it because I'm insecure? Is it, is it to make myself look better? Right? There's this, there's this weird kind of perverted desire we have as believers to gossip. Well, did you hear this about this person? Well, we ought to pray for them. But really, we're just enjoying saying something bad about someone else. We enjoy having the inside scoop. It makes us feel powerful. It makes us feel important. And that's sick. So we need to repent of that. And filthy language from your lips. How do you talk when you're not around your church friends? Can you say everything you'd say around your life group leader or your pastor? Or what if Jesus was actually standing there? Wait, oh, wait a second. He is, by the way. Um, as a believer, I would say so many things that were totally inappropriate. So many sexual innuendos. And the Bible's saying, no, that, that's sin. Or cursing. You know, I, 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 I don't like this new kind of move in the church where people are like, let's just be raw. So they curse from the pulpit. 
You know, oh, that's just kind of cool. I'm just being me. No, you're being a sinner. Jesus, uh, listen to this. Some of us say, well, I don't want to get too prudish with my words. Jesus, Luke 15, 1, it says, all the sinners were gathered around Jesus listening to what he had to say. Okay? It's not by acting all edgy and dropping some curse words here and there that make you relatable to the world. What makes you relatable is when you're loving. There is no one more Christian than Christ. You'll get that in a minute. And the lost world gathered around him and he wasn't dropping curse words to be cool. Are your words edifying? Are they building up? So let me just, let me just finish with this. Let me, I've given you the negatives. Now let me tell you what you can aspire to have your mouth made over to do. Okay, your mouth is to be like a fountain of life. So let me give you five things we can do with our mouth that bring glory to God. Number one is praise. Number one is praise. If you're taking notes, we're going to go through these real fast. Psalm 109.30 says, with my mouth, I will greatly extol the Lord. In the great throngs of worshipers, I will praise him. You have the high and lofty privilege of praising God. You actually can praise God. It's almost unthinkable that you can bless God's heart as a little sinful, finite person. But we get to bless God with our mouths. And we'll do it for all eternity. So we might as well get good on earth. Okay, number two. Number two, this is, this is astounding. You create with your words. You create. God created the world by speaking. He said, let there be light, and there was light. You create. He also would change people's identity. He'd say, you were Jacob, which means deceiver. Now, now you're Israel, which means my beloved. You are now Abram. You are now Abraham, which means father of many. Right? You are Saul. Now you are Paul. He would speak identity over people. I want to tell you parents in this room. If you're a parent, just wave your hand at me real quick. Parents, we create our kids' identity by giving them a name, right? I I thought through and prayed through each of my children's names. And then we speak in, this is how I see you. This is who you are. And what does it do? It pulls them into their identity. But even if you're not a parent, we do this with our friends. What we do is we speak who they are. You're a man of God. You have the gift of encouragement. You have the gift of giving. You have the gift of prophecy. You're a leader. And you know what that does? That makes someone rise up. You create. Right? Number three. So we create with our words. Number three. This is amazing. This is why our mouths are so powerful. And this is why there's such a war over your mouth. You release miracles with your mouth. As believers... The everyday believer is supposed to release miracles with their mouth. Jesus would speak a word and a demon would be cast out. Jesus would speak a word and someone would be healed. And then we watch his disciples, Acts chapter 3. Peter and John are walking out of a temple. There's a lame man standing there. And what do they say? They say, silver or gold I do not have, but what I have I give to you. In the name of Jesus Christ, rise up and walk. They spoke a word. Boom, the guy's dancing and skipping, right? We release miracles. That's why we pray for, every peop- for, for sick people every week down front. And people get healed. We release those miracles by making that declaration where we partner with heaven and say, on earth as it is in heaven. 
There's power in your words. The Bible says the power of life and death is in your tongue. The power of life and death is in your tongue. So three is release miracles. Number four, you encourage each other. You encourage others. You have the power to take someone who's having a bad day. You have the power to turn someone's day around. That is amazing. Do you know how much power you have, people of God? The Bible says, encourage each other as long as the day is called a day so our hearts don't grow hardened by sin's deceitfulness. When people come to church, I hope that other people are encouraging them so that we don't go and fall into sin. But as we encourage each other, it keeps us out of sin. You are supposed to be a fountain of life to other people. Listen to this. Proverbs 10:21 the lips of the righteous nourish many When people are around you do they feel nourished If you're letting God do what he wants to do in your heart and through your mouth they will feel nourished Be a person make that a goal this week I just want to nourish people with my words Lord let my words be like food that brings nourishment and strengthening to people's hearts and lastly You can share the gospel with people. You can share the message that will save someone's soul. That is how powerful your mouth is. Scripture says, how can they know unless someone preaches it to them? You have the ability, every single person in this room, you have the ability to proclaim the gospel that Jesus died for our sins, that he rose again, defeating the power of sin and death, that he's calling us to receive his gift of salvation. And then if we turn from our sins and invite him into our heart, that we'll be saved and have a new life and live with him for eternity. It's that easy. And with your words, you will change someone's life. You will change their family. You will change their community for eternity. And that's why there's such a war over our mouth is because so much of the kingdom advancing in our time is through our mouths. Why don't you stand up?